Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Whedonverse Podcast. A retrospective, spoiler-free podcast where we discuss the movies, series, comics, and games created or inspired by Joss Whedon. With your hosts, Mr. Universe. Number five, do the dance of joy. And the clairvoyant. Well, you're right about this being a bad idea. Also brought to you by the Tangent Bound Network. This episode, we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 11, Ted, with special guest L from YourFriendL.com, and Episode 12, Bad Eggs, with special guest at Bloody Brody from Twitter. Slayer, Season 2, Episode 11, Ted, written by David Greenwald and Joss Whedon, directed by Bruce Seth Green. Original air date, December 8th, 1997. All right, listeners, welcome back to another week of the sexy adventures of Uni and Mr. Claire. Oh, yeah, another week, another dollar. I used that already. I used that a couple weeks ago. That doesn't even make sense. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Actually, the Whedonverse podcast, um, and I guess if we're going by those nicknames I gave him, he's Universe and I'm Mr. Clairvoyant, which is yeah. wrong. <laughs> and we're here with another special guest, Elle, from your friend L, the wonderful, wonderful blog. How are you, Elle? Great. Yeah, how are you guys? Good, thanks. Glad to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. So what episode are we doing today, Elle? We're doing Ted uh, with the guest star, John Ritter. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> so before we begin... I found out that Elle is actually one of our silent majority, I'm, I'm hoping majority, of <laughs> listeners that doesn't really interact with us on a social media basis. Uh, but she did listen, and that's how she found out about us, and you know that's how we got her on. But so shout out to our silent listeners, the people that do listen every week, and they like hear like, oh, tweet us, and they're not going to do that. Shout out to you guys. <laughs> the wallflowers. So you're, you're encouraging the tweets now. <laughs> yeah, we still love you, just not as publicly. We love you, but just less. <laughs> <laughs> and also before we begin, I just wanted to point out the WP stickers we've been seeing all around Sunnydale actually stand for Whedonverse Podcast. Oh, good job. <laughs> uh, now this episode, both David Greenwald and Joss Whedon have done really good jobs writing so far, so let's see how they do this time around. <laughs> And unlike past episodes, this episode is actually called Ted Everywhere. It's not yeah. one of those, like, somewhere else is called Theodore. This episode uh, has a special place in my heart in that it makes me laugh whenever I think about it. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a multitude of reasons, which I'm sure we'll get to throughout the episode. But it just this episode stands out among all others and just tickles me. <laughs> so we start with Giles giving our In Every Generation speech. And we cut to Xander, Buffy, and Willow just walking down the street. Arguing uh, a little bit about the captain versus Tennille. Yeah, they're arguing who is the dominant one in the relationship of uh, 
music and television bygones, Captain and Tennille. To be honest, I had absolutely no idea who those people are. Same here. So <laughs> Buffy, Buffy doesn't know, and I can't say I blame her. Yeah, I, I had no idea either. I googled them. So <laughs> we're we're all too young for this reference. <laughs> They're from the seventies, and so Buffy isn't really paying attention. Uh, they then they go on to discuss the the general lack of vampire activity now that uh, Spike and Drusilla have been crushed under an organ and are presumed dead in a church somewhere. And, Zan- and of course, Xander's jinxing it by saying that. <laughs> and but this time he catches it. Last time Buffy and Willow were kind of snapping on him, but this time he catches it. And they forgive yeah. him, but of course he did jinx them. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I love how in this scene that that it goes like really nice music. And then it changes. Right. And, and, and right before she walks in. So you can feel it. Feel something's about to change. Yeah, something's about to happen. Just as they yeah. walk into Buffy's all-dark house. I just want to mention, uh, before this, they, they're talking about uh, they're talking about Angel briefly. And they mention that the Tarakan assassin contract is off. Now, what the hell happened? Because, it, I mean, Elle wasn't here for that episode. I don't know if you remember it that well, but... A, a yeah. league of Tarakan assassins were going after Buffy, and Giles mentioned at one point that they don't stop until their target is dead. They have no earthly wants. They will not give up until Buffy is dead. And then they're, they're just, oh, contract's off. <laughs> um, yeah, that was kind of a weird shift. Yeah, because I do remember I did watch that episode recently, and I do remember him saying like they will never give up, they will never sleep, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing that like they will continually go after you. And then it's like, oh well, it's there over. There was three, and then they just gave up. <laughs> it's like, oh, they squished the bug guy, they slit the cyclops throw. We just maybe Tarak and assassins aren't used to dying, and <laughs> it's possible. And so, like, you know, maybe, maybe they have a li- limit number of you know how many off can die on one target, and if they have they destroy that many, then they're like, all right, forget it, it's not worth it. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, they're like, hey, these are our assets. We're a business. Rumors of our never breaking a contract have been greatly falsified. <laughs> so they, yeah, you could tell just by the music shift and everything that something suspicious is going on in the Summers house. And so Buffy goes in to investigate, and she hears a, a wine glass break, and her mom makes some sort of noise that you can't, I can't really describe. How do you know the noise is a wine glass, clairvoyant? Because I'm a clairvoyant. I don't know. <laughs> it's a glass break. It was a wine glass, by the way. It was, and Buffy walks in on her mom making out with John Ritter. Which is every nightmare I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Your nightmare is Joyce and John Ritter making out. Okay. All right. (laughs) And I I just, I can't get over how much John Ritter reminds me of Pete Holmes. I wrote the exact same thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Pete Holmes just, like, John Ritter died. He re, by the way, John Ritter has died. If you're unfamiliar, he's a famous actor. Uh, you know, he's known for several things. The one that's sticking out in my mind right now is uh, Eight Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. He was also on It, the movie, but he's in he's been in everything ever. And he passed away. 2003. Um, Let's dedicate this episode of Whedon, Pod- Whedon vs. Podcast to John Ritter. 2003, 12 years ago. But uh, I swear that he reincarnated 30 years ago into comedian Pete Holmes, who yeah. just, it's, it's uncanny. <laughs> but uh, they're like, you're home early, and then Buffy, this is Ted. And then boom, theme song. 
Like, oh, that's the take a shot. They said the episode name. Oh, you'd get drunk if you did that in this one really fast. <laughs> Can you imagine that level of awkward? Walking in on your mom, making out with the random. Well, yeah, and especially when she's never previously mentioned she's looking for anybody at all. Like, right. it, if at least you have like the oh, you know. Me and your dad are separated, and, you know, I'm going to start, you know, hanging out with some other people. Like, at least you have that in your head. This is clearly out of the blue. Yeah, exactly. You know? When it's only been, I guess it's been like a year and a half, if we're going by seasons. But True. But it still, it just feels weird. Yeah. Yeah. And there was yep. no previous hint to it whatsoever. No. So. Yeah. Joyce <laughs> has been pretty absent this whole season almost, up until now. Yeah, and you do get the feeling that Joyce has been seeing him for some time. And just the way that she mentions him, you know, I've been waiting for the right time to tell you and stuff like that. But, yeah. it uh, we, we didn't know about it because we haven't seen much of Joyce at all. Yeah. And so yeah, she introduces uh, her, her, uh, her special friend. Her special Ted. friend. And they, Buffy's a bit peeved because she's like, oh, like you've been staying late. This is why, basically. Like she's a peep that she hasn't been told. While Ted makes some food. Yeah. He, yeah. And they talk about how he's a he's a computer salesman. He came and installed some stuff at the at the the gallery. The, the gallery, which confuses yeah. me, because does he have like this business on the side? Because we see him in his office later, and he's very clearly a. Technology phone salesperson, very much like what Mr. Universe and I do for a living. But then apparently he also goes to businesses and actually installs software. Yeah, yeah that so, was a little wonky now that you say that. So like, what does he job? Does, does, he have, does he do this on the side? Or is he just like that? He must get paid a lot if he's doing like selling and installation himself. But uh, yeah, Willow is talking to him about her new, brand new, top-of-the-line, 9-gigabyte hard drive. Ouch. Where, and he says, you know, well, you think you love it, but wait till you upgrade. But let's talk for a minute about how big 9 gigabytes actually is. Because it's not big. I think I have a thumb drive bigger than that right now. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I have a, my thumb drive is 64 gigs. <laughs> Like, nine get the whole season, I think this whole season of Buffy is more than nine gigabytes, if you ever watched the video files. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, that's so, it's insane. But you don't have enough memory to pop in a season of a TV show. Like, nine gigabytes is bad. I can't overstate how, like, if you're not a tech person, you're like, oh, sounds about right. Mm-mm. Let's say, Mm-mm. let's just say average computers these days, if you're going to buy a new computer, if it's not solid state, will have... One terabyte. 500 on a low end gigabytes and to one terabyte, which is 1,000 gigabytes on the high end. So, not, nine, not, not big. <laughs> nine gigabytes is... But but for the time, I'm sure it yeah. was kind of comparable. So you have to think what... what right. 97, 98 or something that this aired, you know, that, right. that it would have been an acceptable number. I was wondering about if I was like in this time watching this, knowing everything I do now about computers, if I would be thinking like nine gig, wow, that's average, or like nine nine gig, that's mind blowing. It's probably huge. Um, this episode was actually filmed on Halloween in '97. Uh, apparently, Christine Sutherland, who played Joyce, was dressed as like a '50s girl, and Sarah Michelle Gellar was dressed as Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. 
With a little Toto and everything. And the whole, yeah, the, all the cast and crew were just in costumes. Super cute. Ah, that is cute. And so, yeah, they're talking about Willow's hardcore 9-gig hard drive. And <laughs> yeah, and I, I love how she's geeking out about it. Like, she, she's literally giggling over the idea of this 9-gigabyte hard drive. Of getting a, some... <laughs> floppy upgrades. She screeches at the idea. and But Xander's also in love with Ted because his pizza is awesome. Is, yeah, yeah, best... You can get rid of those pizza, mini pizzas, what was it? Yeah, mini yeah. pizzas. He said you could sell these two, three hundred bucks a piece. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and like Xander is a food connoisseur. Xander's very much like me. And I do enjoy pizza very much. And <laughs> you should I imagine... Do. Yeah. Um, fun fact is, I was fun actually, fact: the clairvoyance usually eating pizza before or after we record these episodes. Fun fact: the episode we recorded with Rob two weeks ago, I was eating during. <laughs> so, are I you like sure pizza. you're not eating now? <laughs> I was gonna order a pizza by end of time. I like pizza, and Xander, I imagine, likes pizza as much as I do. And so if this is the best pizza he's ever tasted, I want to meet Ted. And it sounds simple enough. He says you just, you bake it and then you fry it in olive oil for a bit, which is nothing special at all. Kind of weird to fry a pizza in olive oil, like in a skillet. But (laughs) But, Yeah, that is a little weird. I've, I've made pizza with my aunt. She like, she was a home ec teacher, so she knows how to make the dough and the sauce and everything, and it's amazing, and I don't remember any of that while making it. <laughs> yeah, no one fries, no one does that. But I've had pizza with olive oil on top many times, and I don't know if it's any more special when you fry it, but it wasn't that special. <laughs> so Ted apologizes to Buffy for how they met, because uh, that's awkward as all hell, and promises to make it up to her for, uh, for the little surprise he gave her. And when we cut to Buffy beating the sweet Jesus out of a vampire with a trash can lid. Yeah, she says it's okay, and then they cut to it not being okay, where she's taken her revenge on a vampire. Yeah, oh. and poor, poor Giles is just trying to be like, are you, <laughs> you sure? Like, you think you should stake him now? Like, <laughs> Giles is starting to feel bad for the vampire. <laughs> but you have to wonder if this is how Buffy takes out her aggressions, how is she not, like, the most zen person ever? But uh, really bad staking. She dusts them, and the dusting effect, psh, not good. Vamp death kill one. And so Giles is starting to worry that something's troubling her. She Being a nothing. daddy figure. Yeah, which is a, a theme of the episode, of course. And she says, nothing's wrong. And then she lets a little something slip during her rant about the creepiness of vampires. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she says, vampires are creeps. And then, like, she goes on about mini pizzas. It's you just know? like they're like hanging around graveyards and biting people and invading your home and cooking everyone mini pizzas. And <laughs> I believe the subtext is rapidly becoming text. <laughs> <laughs> but she says, uh, it's nothing. And we go to the next day at school where Xander is telling Buffy that the mini pizzas have changed his life. Yeah, Ted's a master. Well, Buffy just has a bad feeling about it all, but Xander thinks this is it's just Freud territory and that... She misses her dad. She won't give them any pizzas a chance. Yeah. Buffy, Which completely she... could be it. I mean, had we not known otherwise. But, um, and if this wasn't Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> right. But, um, but, yeah, no, I mean, Xander's coming from a completely, you know, reasonable explanation of why she's feeling weird about this. 
Yeah, and Buffy can see why everyone likes Ted, and she does kind of admit it is a little weird seeing him with my mom, but she's like, no, but I have a gut feeling something's up here. I've got slayer cramps about this dude. I think she just has an Oedipus complex. (laughs) Isn't it a reverse? Isn't it an Electra complex? No, well, Oedipus wants to marry his mom and kill his kill his dad. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so, so it would be Oedipus. Just, she just wants Joyce for herself. <laughs> in the vending yeah. machine in this scene, <laughs> in the vending machine in this scene, the Doritos are upside down, and it drives me nuts. I don't know why. Oh, probably because they were just, they, you know, if, uh, if it was recognizable on there, they would probably would have had paid Doritos or something like that. So a lot of shows... Um, will, like, edit a label just enough so that it's not completely recognizable to, a, you know, a known label. Right. Their, their reasoning was, like, a cross and an upside-down cross mean complete different things. So a Doritos logo and an upside-down Doritos logo. <laughs> yeah, some, sometimes they don't make them too different, you know. <laughs> so. And so then uh, one thing I like about this scene is Buffy says there's something a little too clean about this clown, and Willow just thinks that's the funniest thing. A clean clown. And she just starts laughing. She's like, I make my own fun. <laughs> yeah, I feel like a lot of Willow's Willow's funny moments are like just funny to herself, not to the other characters, <laughs> you know? Like, she's like, oh, but that's fine. I'll make myself laugh, you know? <laughs> like, but she's always been kind of like the, I mean, like Z- Xander's her friend, but she's, I feel like that's completely, like, irrelevant. If he wasn't there, she'd just be studying or on the computer alone and just making her own fun, giggling at whatever the hell she's doing. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) But uh, Ted's suddenly there behind him, which is admittedly creepy. It's really creepy. But he's here to upgrade the school systems, his sidekick. And And then he gives uh, Willow some (laughs) cocaine in the form of elastic-banded floppy disks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's also a spokesperson, you know, for and he's not actually installing. He's just using that word. That's the only thing I can figure out. Installing like, knowledge in the kid's mind. Yeah, be like, oh, I'm just here to supervise <laughs> the other people installing it. Um, you know, since he's such a good, you know, uh, salesman. Yeah, so he's shadowing. He's seeing, so he can speak to it better on the sales calls. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. There we go. There we That's go. We've got an, we got an explanation. But uh, he asks if they want to go mini-golfing, and we established earlier this season in, in When She Was Bad, we established that there is no mini-golf course in Sunnydale. I guess one sprung up. Yeah, Xander suggests it, and Willow says, you know there's no mini-golf here. So my options, either they built one, one sprung up, it's been a couple months, I guess. Another one is maybe there's one just out of town, or maybe there's one in Sunnydale but too far to walk to, so Ted could drive them there. Well, Maybe. he did offer to make a picnic, so that made me feel it might be out of town a bit. Picnic? Yeah. I never think of picnics as something, like, as a big city activity, so... Let's go picnic. Yeah, he took them all out to, a, I don't know, some park. With me and so, Buffy tries to back out by saying we have that thing on Saturday, and Willow tries to support her, but Xander's like, no, nah, we always do that thing. I'm sick of doing that thing. We're in. And, <laughs> What an ass. <laughs> he just, he will, Ted promised more baking, including cookies, and Xander was just in. He's like, no. He's like, yeah, he I'm, just jumped on that. <laughs> he's like, I don't care about you. I'm being selfish for once, and I need these. I need, <laughs> these are life-changing, and I need them. So I, I get him. I feel him. <laughs> so then Giles drops by Jenny's classroom to a beautiful Christoph Beck score, and 
he's just there to tell her that her textbooks were delivered to the library. It's the whole thing is just kind of awkward and kind of sad. But it's so strange. This is. Uh... But then tell it like it is, Jenny. Uh, calls him out on making excuses to see her. That sums up Jenny. Tell her like it is. She doesn't sugarcoat anything. Yeah, no, she was always straight to the point. She she never threw in any you know extra words to make it longer or rambled or anything of that sort. Yeah, she's never like yeah no she's straight to the point. Very yeah, tell it like it is is very very much sums her up. And so then they talked about how she's been, and she says that she needs some space, and that him always asking how she's doing and being worried makes her feel bad that she doesn't feel better, which it feels harsh, but I. And I get what she's trying to say, and it's one of those awful moments where it's an awful situation, and you get both characters' point of views, and you don't want yeah. to. Yeah, I feel where <laughs> she's coming from, but it's like, oh, like I want to be mad at her, but I have no reason to be. Yeah. But, but yeah, I don't you, think we ever really get mad at Jenny. I mean, other than her holding back her, well, Mr. hold Universe on. has been searching. <laughs> I feel like, like I should be mad at her, but... Maybe it's her face. She's got one of those faces. That makes you mad at her? Or... Yeah. <laughs> so wait, you're mad at her because of her face? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, because <laughs> it's been literally her first appearance. She said, I don't like her. I'm putting okay. my foot down. If we're being fair, her first then, appearance, she was awful. Yeah, but then every other appearance, you're like, I guess I like Jenny in this episode. First impressions are everything. <laughs> Don't and judge a book by its cover, okay? Don't judge a calendar <laughs> by its... By yeah, go <laughs> Try that one. Try that. <laughs> by, by January. But uh, she said she's doing pretty good. She's having trouble sleeping. But she needs time and she needs space. So she shoes Giles off. Yeah. Later that night, Buffy is bandaging Angel's hand while going on a rapid rant about how she doesn't want to talk about Ted all the time. Mile a minute. I and love she's... her speed ramble here. It's, <laughs> it's like I, I they must have ha she must have practiced this and tried to speed it up each time because she is going. <laughs> yeah, and I love how like every second word is Ted, and then she finishes the rant with, "and I don't want to talk about Ted all the time." <laughs> but uh, Angel says that you know I know that you don't need another man in your life, but you think maybe your mom does, and always the wisdom guy. So, but then it kind of comes out. Buffy wishes it was. You know, she kind of just wishes her parents were together. Yeah. But she's like, okay, that's not happening. I'll play the dutiful daughter. And then her and Angel start kissing. <laughs> meanwhile, at mini-golf, Ted's trying to be it's like... Not not meanwhile. This later. is not happening concurrently. <laughs> later, at mini-golf. Ted's ready trying to, to be... five-part cuckoo clock. Ted's trying to be like a Pete Holmes good dad. <laughs> but he's a bit overbearing. Like He seems like a good guy that just tries way too hard. I wrote he's yeah. being charming and creepy. <laughs> oh, I, I wrote he was being creepy at golf when he says, I'm not wired that way. <laughs> and he says, yeah, he, then he, like, he's just being, like, a, a, a try-hard, like, creepy, friendly dad. I hate his he, catchphrases, like, little lady and beg to differ and just, uh He thinly veils an attempt at calling Buffy hot. <laughs> by saying they must be lining around the block to get with you and well it's like no she's only interested in her, her studies and then he says oh i hope that'll bring your grades up little missy and oh, i just oh i can't stand ted he creeps me out well from you know <laughs> we get an explanation for why he does the little lady and everything later so right. um which i don't want to ruin 
But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, that all adds to the creep factor because it's out of place. You know, yeah. for something in the 1997, nobody's going to say that unless you're, like, 80. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Your, your Buffy, grandpa might say that. Buffy's totally uncomfortable that he knows about her grades, which I would be, too, honestly. And That's not your biz. <laughs> but she, uh, she fails at mini-golf, and he gets a bit touchy about it. Like, she misses so badly, and... Joyce is like, we won't count it. And he's like, no, we're going to count it. I literally just wrote for this line, Buffy is a poor shot and shit gets serious. <laughs> but he's a bit annoying to barge in like that. And like, I don't mean to overstep my bounds, but rules are rules. Like, stop. Yeah, it just kind of reminds me of the big Lebowski. <laughs> like, am I the only person who gives a good goddamn about the rules anymore? <laughs> like, I fought numb. <laughs> If this is his first, like, family excursion with Buffy, you'd think he'd be, like, a bit more accommodating. Yeah. She, she was yeah, over the he's line. The, he's the new guy on, in town, you know, for the sake of the situation. He should be watching his step, but he's not. Exactly. She's over the line. <laughs> but, uh, Mark yeah, zero. he's starting to get on my nerves. And I can... <laughs> but he, he sees Buffy place her ball in the hole. And he, he starts getting really mad. Like, I'm not wired that way, Buffy. I don't just let people cheat. It's not a game. It does count, and I don't stand for that kind of malarkey in my house. Banging his little mini golf club against his leg. And, and she's like, well, it's a good thing we're not in your house. And he's like, you want me to slap that smart-ass mouth of yours? <laughs> Whoa! Total personality shift. And then, again, because everyone else shows up, he's like, who wants cookies? I made extra. <laughs> yeah, I like how he only gets this way really around Buffy. Like, mm -hmm. we don't see him perform like this in front of anybody else. No. You so, know, and the, and the one person he should be performing best in front of is Polly Buffy to win over her to get yeah. to Joyce. Right. We never got this angry. <laughs> you know? With <laughs> with Bridget and Carrie? That's what I was going to say, but I couldn't. <laughs> but uh, Joyce won't listen to Buffy about it in the morning. Buffy's pretty sour, but... Joyce accidentally lets it slip that she loves Ted. Yeah. The whole thing about this scene was weird because she says, she just straight up says, he threatened me. And Joyce says, he did not. And then Joyce explains the, the events that happened. But one thing that stuck out in my mind is how does Joyce know what event Buffy's referring to if Ted didn't threaten her? True. Because all Buffy said was he threatened me. And then Joyce talks about the mini golf event. It's like, oh, but then how but do you know maybe this is what Joyce I was talking is, about? <laughs> maybe Joyce is just thinking that Buffy's trying to get out of it. Like, I'll just say he he threatened me, and then she won't, my da my mom won't like him, and then I'll just get rid of him. You right. know, like kind of like the jealous kid who's just trying to get rid of, rid of the other party. Yeah, I know what's going on in Joyce's head, but just, it's I find it suspicious that Buffy, all Buffy has to say is, oh, he threatened me. That could mean he threatened me at dinner. Could mean he threatened me at school. But Joyce said, like, oh, at the, like when he caught you cheating at mini golf? No, he didn't threaten you. But how did she know that Buffy was talking about when she got caught cheating at mini golf? Because it's Ted a plot device. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Joyce is so naive here. Frustratingly so. I understand she's being pretty normal as a parent from a parent's you know, mindset. But frustrating. Frustratingly naive. Yeah, yeah, no. But, it, I mean, it, you also have to think this is the first guy that's been interested her in her since she and her husband have been separated. Right. So she's probably thinking of it as, like, I'm just so happy somebody wants to be with me. 
Yeah. You know, so she's going to overlook some of these things right. just out of sheer, you know, like infatuation that somebody wants to go out with her. She's dating John Ritter. <laughs> she's dating John Ritter, of course. In the 90s, that's a catch. <laughs> but uh, outside later, Willow's got scuffs on her knees, I noticed. She's wearing a skirt and her little her knees are like cut up and scraped up. And for some reason, that's just adorable. Like just the like, what was she doing that she? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't feel like like it was obviously Allison Hannigan with the scrapes on her knees, but I'm like, what was even Allison Hannigan doing? Like it's just a weird thing to notice, I guess. And so yeah, uh, at school, Buffy's trying to recruit her friends to spy on Ted, and Xander's saying just you accept him while eating one of Ted's cookies, <laughs> which was a funny. <laughs> He's like, just accept Ted. You know, he's a good guy. He's eating Ted's food. Drinking yeah. the Ted Kool-Aid. When Cordy walks by, Xander genuinely compliments her, which leads to a fight. It <laughs> makes me laugh. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going to tell. They're not going to know. Not your friends, not my friends. You want to go make out? And then they do. You know, the utility closet. Yeah. But, but she first says no. Like, it's the most disgusting idea she's ever heard of. Is that like, all you no. think about? Yeah, is it <laughs> Yeah, this they're just the weirdest goddamn relationship. I don't even know if you can call it a relationship. I don't know if you can liken it to any real relationship because it's so exaggerated. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's it's almost like a comic relief relationship. Yeah, no, it definitely is for this episode because it's it's pretty much one of the only subplots we have going on other than what's going on with Ted. Right. So it was here to lighten the mood of you know other than you know. My uh, my mom's boyfriend is a creep, you know. Right. He's giving us some kind of creepy vibe. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Willow so, finds out where Ted works. Yeah, Buffy asks Willow to find out where Ted's working, and then we cut to Buffy spying on Ted at the office, and yeah. he's using this technology sales trick that, as I mentioned, <laughs> Mister Universe and I are tech salesmen. This trick does not work. I've seen so many people use it, and maybe it's the tone in John Ritter's voice, but it's, this doesn't work. Like, what, Let's just what be is, honest. It's just because John Ritter's telling it. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I, I hate to admit it. This looks exactly like my work environment. So go back and watch the episode. <laughs> like, even down to the random, like, coffee tins and, like, jars of nuts that are, nobody's eating next to a bunch oh, of paper plates that nobody's you using. Use 20-year-old computers? Besides the computers, um, but everything else is like identical. It's depressing. It, I was like, no, I'm back at work. No. I, I have a very nice view of the Griffith Observatory, so I can't complain. Uh, <laughs> we can. But uh, Ted, yeah, he's he's saying, oh, no, this isn't an inexpensive machine. This is a very expensive machine. But that means, that, you know, it's not going to crash down on you and all this stuff. And he's like, I can sell you a cheaper one if you'd like. Which always, always in real life, they're like, hell yeah! How much yeah, is the cheaper one? That's a, like it, it does not work. You can you can play up the more expensive one as much as you want. You're like, well, if, I guess if you want the cheaper one, they're like, yes, I do. <laughs> like it's it's. I'm sorry. Was this Joss or David or both, both. who wrote this? Both. This is not how that's not how sales works, unfortunately. Well, that's why they're writers and not salesmen. <laughs> and so. Uh, what he 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 makes he's got a million dollars, woo, and he's going That's to love. That's a bad reference. <laughs> and so one of Ted's coworkers, Neil, Neil spots Buffy and thinks she's a new employee, which named Belinda because <laughs> I'm the... B- Linda Belinda. <laughs> they just kind of talk about Ted. She's trying to dig up some dirt. 
Ted B, him, according to the sales sheet. Ted Buchanan is his name. Yes. Yeah. And he says, you know, he's a sales machine and that he wants to live up to, you know. And nobody knows computers like the sales machine. If I sound bitter, I am. Yeah. Notice any recurring themes yet, Moloch? <laughs> Machines and wires. Anyway. I'm not wired that way. <laughs> uh, and so he says, she's trying to dig up, oh, you know, is he married? He's got ex-wives this morning. He said, no, it is a girlfriend. Plans on marrying her in two months, which, why would he tell the people at the office that? He's and a, also, why would Bobby take this chat? Yeah, well, and it's, thinking, it's two months out. Why isn't she a fiancé at that point? Exactly. I was thinking, like, if it is just office chat, why is Buffy, like, taking to heart so seriously? Like, it's like office chat's like locker room chat, except not at all, but... But not cool, because that is something, like, if they're engaged, which at this point we don't know if they are not, whether they're not, but if if Joyce would know, that's something that, you know, Buffy should know about. Yeah. And... He says, oh, he must really love her if he lets her clutter his desk. It's one photo on the desk. Buffy goes and inspects it and finds that it was a photo of her and Joyce, and she has been conveniently folded over and cut out of the picture. But, you know, not yeah. not suspicious, I don't think. It's a small frame. Like, what's he going to do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, but still. But I feel it's a metaphor. <laughs> I think it is. But at the same time, yeah. I'm like, man, you have a small frame. You have a picture of... The girl you're dating or her daughter that hates you, which one are you going to keep? <laughs> but still, he, he would have, I think he would have just taken a picture of uh, himself and printed that and uh, had it, you know, well, rather than take maybe, this picture that's already existing of and just m- remove Buffy. Maybe it's still at the printers. This is the 90s. It could be there, like, they're, they're working on it. It'll be done in a week. Maybe. <laughs> no Instagram these days. Those days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So then at dinner uh, that evening, Ted makes a passive-aggressive prayer towards Buffy. <laughs> Never thought I'd hear that sentence. <laughs> well, was whole... anybody else bothered by the fact that he called her Joycey? Oh, oh, yes. I was like, Joycey? That's not even like a cute nickname. Like, if my name was Joyce, I would not be like, oh, yeah, call me Joycey. Like... <laughs> if, if, if someone did, you're like, no, it's done. I'd like, be like, you... stop. Don't. Even if you are engaged, you're like, it's over. I'm sorry. But it is a really fancy-ass dinner, so maybe that's why. It looks like they're having spinach dip of some sort. And so they try to make small talk as Buffy just stares Ted down. Yeah. And she just bluntly asks if they're engaged, which they deny, but Ted does confess that he hopes one day they'll soon they'll get married and asks Buffy how she'd feel, which she answers like a teenager. I feel like killing myself, which is so raw. Stop yeah, saying raw. That's the raw quotient of this episode. I thought it was a little extreme. Yep, of course. There's a teenager. Like, but <laughs> even still, like, even as a teenager, I don't think I would have said that. Well, then but, you didn't live as a teenager. <laughs> well, I also wasn't a slayer, so. <laughs> but uh, she asked if she can be excused. Ted's like, you know, it's fine that she said that. You know, I tend to be honest with her feelings, but she, she wants to be excused, and she gets excused to her room. Yeah, she gets into a room and slips out for some slaying, or just sitting on a swing waiting for vamps to show up. Now, your first thing we see is feet hanging over a ground, and Buffy's like, last thing she said was, I want to kill myself, and then we see feet hanging over a ground, I was like, oh my god, and then it pans up and she's on a swing, but I was like, why would you do that? That's I don't think dumb... that was intentional. I don't either, but it was yeah, a I dumb writing move. <laughs> 
I was like, did she hang herself? I think I was more concerned with the fact that Joyce wasn't more upset. The fact that she just, her daughter just said, I want to kill myself. She's like, I'm super you know? embarrassed. <laughs> I, yeah. I was too hung up on that to notice this, this swing. She's like, I'm setup. embarrassed. Go to your room. Like, <laughs> She then goes back to her room and finds Ted just waiting for her in her room. Oh, that and scene, by the way, was just dumb. Her on the swing was useless and dumb. She just calls out for vampires. And so he admits that he's read her diary because she snooped around his office, which I don't know how he figured out, but he did. Mm. And he calls her delusional and threatens to tell Joyce about the vampire slayer, basically unless she does everything he says. Blackmail. Extortion. Yeah. Yeah, she she defies his orders and is slapped. And he says, like, that, yeah, he's going to take her to the psych ward. He's going to get her locked up in an institution. Like, that's just messed up, man. I don't care how much you don't like this girl. And then, yeah, in the resulting little brawl... Altercation. Falls down the stairs and happens to snap his neck, and Joyce finds him dead. Holy sh**. Right? Like, Joyce just... And Joyce is bad timing. She only sees Buffy hitting Ted. She misses when he hits her. Yeah. And then they fight... Or Buffy kicks him down the stairs, snaps his neck. Buffy, you killed him. Damn. That was like... I think at this point, when I first watched this, not even I think, this was definitely the darkest thing that had happened in a Buffy episode. And human death count one. Well, yeah, From- and at the hands of the fact that Buffy's Not, you know, like accident or, you know, she was driving a car and accidentally hit somebody. It was, like, because she is just pissed off and she's a slayer and she took it out, you know? Yeah, yeah. like, she didn't she, Matthew Broderick him. She... she... No, bad reference. Bad. Bleep that. Bleep yeah. that. <laughs> they can't say that on WWE. We can't say it here. <laughs> but, uh, when I first saw this, yeah, I thought it was a dream or something. Like, it didn't hit me how real it was until the next scene when they're zipping him in a body bag. And yeah. they're... the police are interrogating Buffy and Joyce. Which, can we stop for a second and talk about how this is not the first time Buffy's killed a human being? She's caused... Okay, yeah, she legitimately... She slit a human being's throat, like, last episode, two episodes ago. And, like, you could say it's self-defense, but this kind of was, too. Yeah. Yeah. But, say, like, this is the first time that she's just, like... Maybe it's because he was a huge guest star. I think it's that, you know, it wasn't some you know, mystical force or assassin or anything like that, you know, as as far as we know at this point, she just didn't get along with her, the new, like, basically stepdad, and she killed him. And that's up. That's dark. That's She's mean. a killer. Like, it's not like, you know, one of these, like, a guy who wants to imbue himself with the power of hyenas or... <laughs> or a dude trying to assassinate her in a skating rink. But I feel really bad for Joyce here because she's a broken woman, but she still won't tell the officers what actually happened until Buffy pipes up. Yeah, I like that they had Buffy pipe up because had she hid, I feel like it wouldn't. She wouldn't be so much of a hero in in, a, in the moment later, you know. Right. Yeah. Because just... here she is. Is she's telling the truth? She's bringing it forward. She's being responsible. Exactly. Yeah, she tells them all everything they want to know when they interrogate her. Um, and the police office, I swear, is the same set as the office, just moved around. Like, the office office. Everything's just switched. And they're arresting some kind of hippie dude in the background, too. And so they tell Joyce that Buffy's not going to be charged, 
uh, right now, but they will investigate further. And like, just damn, this episode got really, really dark. One thing that I think is kind of cool is uh, the guy who plays, or not the guy who plays, but the the interrogator, Detective Stein. Mm-hmm. It isn't just a one-off appearance. He actually does show up over the course of the series a few times. So that's kind of cool. Did anybody else find it weird that they kind of just let her go? Like, if you kill somebody, they're at least going to, like, hold you there for a little bit. You yeah. know? They're not going to just, like, okay, well, we're not going to arrest you now, so just go home. Yeah, you're a minor, so just chill at home. Well, I think the way they saw it, like, it looks like a pretty clear-cut case of, or like, an accident, you know, an accidental manslaughter. And, or is that what, I don't know my legal terms. It looks like an accident. And so... Yeah. With no reason to suspect otherwise, or like, just go home. We'll look further into this. You know, if we find something suggests otherwise, there might be other actions taken. But yeah, yeah. but I, th- I still think it was a little bit light. I mean, I understand the purpose of it, but it was they a bring, little light. Bring out the strap and get her a few times across the wrist. <laughs> yeah, right. Bring out the roller. <laughs> <laughs> but at school, Buffy's pretty. I don't know. It feels strained almost between Buffy and her mom now, which understandable. Yeah. You killed my bow, a daughter of mine. <laughs> so at school, she's walking kind of through a haze. With overalls as everyone on. just stares and whispers at her, probably because she's wearing overalls. Yeah. And probably. Xander and Willow find her and ask her what happened. So she explains they got in a fight, she lost her temper. And Xander, this part was, uh, it's a kind of a heavy part where Xander's, you know, what kind of creature was he? Was and he a demon, a giant bug, or are we talking creature feature? And then, and then he kind of realizes, like, oh, sh-. <laughs> Which I think it's really interesting that they're, I mean, Willow not so much, but more Xander, because at, up to this point he's been, like, Team Ted. So now yeah. he's all supportive. Well, but, you, you know? I mean, if, I, I, I can absolutely see where he's coming from, just because, like, if you're in this situation and you know Buffy's uh, calling in life, and then, like, oh... You know, this guy that she keeps suspecting of being a demon. She killed him. And they're like, oh, what was he? It's like, oh, she just killed him. Oh, Yeah. But uh, the music's all dark. Everything feels just heavier overall. Yeah. It was, well, it, yeah, that's a... Like, and what yeah. a waste of a special guest star. Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice that she shows remorse in this moment. Because had she not, I think it would have been a totally different tone to this episode. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, if you were the person who killed John Ritter, would you feel... (laughs) Okay, if I was the person that killed John Ritter, I'd feel remorse, but if I was the person who killed Ted... (laughs) Yeah, Buffy says, like, he was a person and I killed him, and Willow's like, don't say that. She's like, why not? Everyone else is, because she's just blaming herself hard. And I can't blame her for blaming herself. Like, I couldn't imagine me in this situation. Yeah. Xander and Willow are trying to defend Buffy's actions, but she's really not... uh, not coming to terms with the situation, and she leaves. And then Giles stops Buffy in the hall and asks how she is, but she notices the detectives snooping around the library. He explains that yeah, they've been interrogating her about her, be- interrogating him about her behavior, so she walks away. Yeah. Doesn't want to deal. And so, so the rest of the gang in the library later that day are talking about the situation, trying to dig up some dirt on Ted. His Xander just can't leave. He, he's, he refuses to believe. He's in denial. Refuses to believe Ted would be just a regular guy that Buffy killed. There's got to be something. And Courtney says, like, I thought you liked Ted. And great, like, subtle jab. Xander, like, sometimes I like things that aren't good for me. <laughs> yeah, right? 
and she's she asked why don't why can't different rules apply to Buffy? And Willis says because we don't live in a fascist society. Like, well, why can't we have one of those? <laughs> but uh, as Andrew finds one of Ted's cookies, he's eating it, and Giles mentions that you know the guilt must be unbearable, and Cordy's like, you would know. Ouch. Yeah, <laughs> Cordy brings up the time Giles raised a demon and killed several people. And he's like, oh, do let's bring that up whenever possible. <laughs> but uh, he's taking up Slayer duties tonight because Buffy's he doesn't want to put anything on her. Yeah, Xander immediately starts getting cheerier when eating Ted's cookies, and yeah, so he's... Willow breaks off a piece, suspecting foul play. And meanwhile, Joyce is packing up Ted's stuff. The box that she's packing into is a paint box, an old paint car- carton box. See, is that Ted stuff? That's what I was wondering. Didn't look like is, it. It looks like she's just packing <laughs> And also she says, like, oh, I've been meaning to do that for months. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe she's and, just, like, getting chores out of the way. That and she... also, why would he have so much stuff at their house? <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like it's supposed to be his stuff, but it doesn't make sense to be his stuff. Because <laughs> I feel like she's, like, kind of... It's supposed to be, like, her metaphor for her, like... You know, up packing off. up away from Ted. You know, yeah. like, okay, he's gone now. I have to put this behind me. Yeah. So maybe that's just what it is, is the, the metaphor of packing up Ted. Yeah, it's just, yeah, like, it was whenever someone dies, you always see the, there's always the scene of someone, like, packing up their things. But he didn't, have any, he didn't have any things there, so she's just packing up things. <laughs> but uh, Bobby's mom just isn't ready to talk about it. She's just yeah. too, too painful. And meanwhile... Actually, a pretty good scene, yeah, where... You know, Buffy asks if she can help, and she says it's done, and asks if Buffy has homework, and Buffy just immediately starts crying and says she didn't mean to hurt him, and Buffy's mom just, you know, can't deal and sends her to her room. But uh, meanwhile, Willow finds out the secret ingredient is not love in his cookies. It's Demetorin, which is a tranquilizer. And ecstasy. Well, similar to ecstasy, but, you know, there's no way. You look at something under a microscope, you don't tell the chemical makeup of it. There's no way that she looked at this cookie under the microscope. She's like, yep, that's definitely Demetorian. That makes yeah. no sense. <laughs> yeah, but it might have been a time crunch thing. We don't know. But yeah, no, it definitely, I mean, nowadays that, we, now that we've you know, seen CSI and things like that, we're like, yeah, right. Um, yeah. But yeah. back in 97, people were probably like, yeah, sure, you can tell whatever under a microscope. <laughs> She's like, microscope, zoom in on that image. Well, I, I know you could probably tell. That the cookie secret ingredient wasn't love under a microscope. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Xander's like, you are the best ever, Willow. I adore you. Okay, that's the cookie talking, but I do mean it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cordelia, meanwhile, finds some marriage licenses and his address, so they decide to go investigate. Which is awesome that Cordelia is a better researcher than both of them, because they couldn't find anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe it's because she was eating a low-carb diet and never ate the cookies. <laughs> that's... Possible. She, she is not corrupted by the cookie magic. That's very possible. Probable, yeah. even. Well, I, very probable. <laughs> she has a uh, she has a talent for this. I respect that. But uh, outside, Giles is patrolling, and Jenny spooks him. Yeah, she surprises him and apologizes that how she's been acting. And then not a, a good time, but shows up. <laughs> yeah, Vamp shows up behind her. Bad timing all around. Yeah. Then Buffy's sitting in her room and hears a noise and thinks it's her mom. She goes to uh, escape through the window for some reason. And in her finds, overalls, no coat or anything, just her regular overalls. Finds that the window has been nailed shut. And so she concludes that her day can't get any worse, to which Ted responds, beg to differ. Holy so, sh- So human death count back to zero. 
because he's just there. And he's still being an ass. And, like, I feel like... <laughs> he's chastising her for killing him. <laughs> I feel like all the emotions and all the heaviness and all the darkness on this episode was wasted because he's not dead. It was wasted emotions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get what you're saying, but, like, I feel like it had to be that trick turnaround because then it's an, an interesting twist. Yeah. It would be super dark if he stayed dead. Yeah. Yeah. He, he claims that he's still alive because he's a salesman, which is, like, an awesome perk of the job that I personally wasn't aware of. Yeah, no, he says that no matter how you put him down, a good salesman always bounces back. <laughs> and he throws Buffy uh, and knocks her out immediately with a light little, like, toss. He, like, takes her out. But, uh... Then we get some good pacing between these two scenes. Yeah, because Giles is tussling with a vamp while Jenny's trying to aim a crossbow. <laughs> yeah, she grabs a crossbow from the bag, and she's kind of just looking for a good shot. Um, <laughs> and then Buffy and Ted are fighting. Ted yeah. gets the upper hand, arguably. I had to shut down for a while to get you off my back. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jenny shoots Giles with a crossbow bolt. <laughs> <laughs> the other vamp stops fighting, too, for a second and just laughs. Yeah. <laughs> Giles pulls it from himself and stakes the vamp. So I guess that worked out. Yeah, vamp death count too. Yeah, is... I like how they took the moment to give the vampire like a little bit right there. Like the bit vampire can even like appreciate the irony of what's going on, you know? Yeah, he's like, man, that sucks, dude. He's like <laughs> laughing at him. And so Ted is strangling Buffy, and so she stabs him with a knife, revealing he's a robot. It's like a nail file. And he begins to malfunction. Yeah, no. it was a nail file. No! He's a robot, yeah. I he starts... take back, like, every cool thing I've said about robots ever. He starts glitching. Hell of a day, he makes you feel like you're 18 again. Oh my god! Robot storylines are usually pretty dumb. Uh, the twitching and glitching is kind of dumb. It's just, I was not happy to find he was a so, robot. My but... preferred way of this, how this episode played out would be an episode about Buffy dealing with the consequences of murdering an innocent human being. That would be... That's my ideal Ted. And then he came back, and still, it, it ruined a lot of the, you know, the heaviness and the, like, kind of the moral dilemmas and the whole holy moment of it. But still, that's fine. It's a, it's a supernatural show. And then... The robot thing. <laughs> that is the worst twist. <laughs> and I think what 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 creeped me out the most is when he says, "Daddy's here." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I was like, really? <laughs> I hate it. I just I hate it. Yeah, it's really bad. And meanwhile, robot. <laughs> meanwhile, Willow and Xander break into Ted's place because they found four marriage certificates and no divorce certificates, and he's been married since 1957. When he was an infant. So either he was a Mormon or... <laughs> <laughs> and so... Cordy, Cordy is a good detective again. She points out that the rug doesn't match the decor. <laughs> Which is not being a good detective, it's being Cordelia. And they pull back the rudge, the rudge to find a hatch. And meanwhile, Buffy's mom goes to apologize to Buffy, but it's Ted. Okay, the weird thing, she's like packing the same shit she packed ten minutes ago. She was unpacking and packing it again. She's been meaning to do this for months. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's practicing apologizing to Buffy. 
And then Ted shows up, and he's like, oh, I was dead for six minutes, I came back, it's a miracle. And... Uh, but I like how in all this, it's a great moment for Joyce, because in all this, she's concerned about Buffy, and how the guilt Buffy has been feeling, and she's like, you're alive, then what about Buffy? Like, I just love that. And he says yeah. the excellent line that I know Elle loves, you don't have to worry about Buffy, you don't have to worry about anything, daddy's here. Yeah, I was just like, oh my god, he didn't just Daddy, say that. Daddy's Please, here. no. But, uh, Why would you think you were a grown man? Yeah, it is grown, creepy. With a grown girlfriend. If I was Joss Whedon and David Greenwald, I'd be apologizing to the legend John Ritter for making him say that. Also, by the way, I failed to mention earlier, but John Ritter, his character, Ted, being really good at cooking is actually a reference to his character in, what was it? Three's Company. Three's Company. It's a reference to Three's Company, thank you, Al, uh, where his character is a chef. <laughs> so the gang finds a secret 50s bunker in Ted's house. Yeah, it feels like home if you're from the 50s and a psycho. <laughs> it feels very fallout. <laughs> Xander looks in the closet, closes it immediately, horrified, and just kind of orders everyone out. Yeah, let's go. We need evidence. Oh, we got it. Yeah, I like how we don't even have to see anything. All we see is Nicholas Brendan's face, and that's all we need. We're yeah. fine from that. We like we don't even need to see the gory details, you know. And they're like, what yeah. was in there? His first four wives. I'm like, that's Rosemary's baby. <laughs> so meanwhile, Ted's yelling at Joyce because she's worrying about Buffy. Yeah, and he starts malfunctioning. <laughs> and Joyce thinks that he just needs to rest. He's like, I don't take orders from women. I'm not wired that way. Again, with the robot references, which yeah. all make sense now, and not are now now way. cheesy. He's a sales machine. He's a computer salesman. <laughs> but Jenny's later, Jenny's apologizing for shooting, shooting Giles through layers of tweed. Which he says is better than Kevlar. Yeah. <laughs> and she just gets the giggles. Yeah, they start getting to the hospital and she just laughs at the situation. So you know to woo a girl back, don't you? But now they're even. They both, like, messed each other's day up. They both, like, attempted to murder each other. Basically. They both accidentally put each other in life-threatening situations. I, I want to know what, like, the, the explanation was for that later. Like, oh, yeah, I shot my boyfriend in the back with an arrow. Like, yeah, he's, at, he, he's at school and, like, you know, he's not feeling well. Like, what does he say to people? Like, oh, yeah, I'm just not feeling well today. Or does he go with girlfriend shot me in the back? Like, <laughs> At the hospital, how do you explain that? Yeah, like. Why oh, were you playing with a crossbow? Yeah. Uh. Who's role-playing? <laughs> They're LARPers. But, uh, Buffy wakes up on her floor. Ted's acting a bit more than a bit creepy. He won't let go of Joyce. She's trying. He's like, we're we're leaving. He's trying to run away with her, but he's also saying weird. <laughs> and he starts malfunctioning. <laughs> and so well, he's he's already been malfunctioning. And she doesn't want to go, so he just knocks him out. Knocks her out. Yeah, he's... pushes her back into a wall, and she's just out cold. So yeah. human death count one again. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> No. no. Hey, we don't we don't know if she's dead. We just know she's knocked out. <laughs> then Buffy shows up and just lays him flat with a frying pan. Yeah, he's like, right before he says he doesn't stand for that kind of malarkey, or right after. And just boom. Yeah, he says something about my house, so yeah. he's already claiming that as you know his territory too, which yeah. I thought was interesting. Or he could be glitching and just repeating the same thing he said before. <laughs> True. Don't stand for that malarkey in my house and just boom. Revealing some of his robo face, and he she says something about this is my house. So, but uh, real then <laughs> but the pro, he's got really well done prosthetics, but ridiculous stupid ones. Yeah, I don't think well, I had a problem with them. 
they just kind of dumb. Because he's a robot, and we can't get they past that. Really well done, though. Yeah. Like, pro, but just. Uh, he asks if she wants to play Parcheesi. So Buffy hits him again. And he shorts out, which is another death count of one. I guess she didn't want to play Parcheesi. No. Later, on the porch, Buffy's mom asks if they want to rent a movie with no horror or romance or men. <laughs> which uh, means they're Thelma and Louising it. Oh, yeah, and, just... I, and Buffy says uh, my favorite thing, I think, for the entire episode that she says is, he's on the scrap heap of life. <laughs> but she's sure he's not coming back. Joyce isn't so sure. They swear off men forever. At school, Xander kind of gives the rundown that Ted had created Robo-Ted because he was dying. Real Ted must have been a genius. Willow's kind of gushing about it. Yeah. She admits she kept some of the Robo-Ted's parts because she just yeah. wants to learn stuff. So yeah, he... I would have liked if they had ca- they had um, continued with that. I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but I feel like it was kind of dropped after this episode. That Yeah. Yeah. A common thing. <laughs> so... Yeah, apparently, yeah, Ted was sickly, and he was not a very good inventor, and his wife left him. So he built a robo-version of him, which was a better Ted, the man that he thought his wife should have, which kidnapped his wife and held her captive in his creepy bunker. Are we counting the other four wives as human death count four, should we? Oh, it's up to you. Let's do it. Yeah. They died. They died. They deserve some recognition. So did the original Ted. We'll do five. (laughs) So then, yeah, the robot found other woman resembling Ted's dead wife and kept kept going. And so that's so weird that Joyce just happened to resemble Ted's dead wife. Yeah. He was probably, that's why he's probably so that Buffy was in the picture. He's like, my wife doesn't have a daughter without me? What is probably. this? But, uh, and then, yeah, Buffy walks into the library and Giles and Jenny are making out. Which means we start the episode the same way we ended it. Yeah. Walking in on grown-ups Mac and Yeah. And then end. And that's a final death count. Human Death five, Vampires two, others one. Overall not as bad an episode as I recall. Not great. I like yeah, Buffy just like swears off like adults. Just like, no, I'm done. Just at the end of the episode. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so let's let's go through it. It's, let's go through our ratings. How about, let's start with Elle. You're our guest here. What would you give this episode out of five stakes and why? Oh, out of five. Um, uh, I would say three purely just because John Ritter does really well in it. But, um, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't great. But I do, I do like that they brought in the whole dynamic of, of Buffy and her mom. You know, it, it's, it's something different up to this point. As you had mentioned before, we really don't see her mom most of this season. Right. So it was a nice nod to the fact that, yes, Buffy does have a parent that she lives with. You know, we kind of have to remember that. She has to, you know, go back there every night and see her mother after everything that's, you know, happened during that day, no matter what it is. So right. I, th- I think it was a nice touch to bring the audience back to that. Okay. And Clairvoyant, what about you? See, I struggled with this episode. Like I said, it gives me the giggles when I think about it because of its ridiculous premise of just John Ritter as a robot. And Robo Ritter, but but that's pretty good, Robo Ritter. <laughs> I like that. I thought all day, ever since I first watched Buffy. No, <laughs> um, but 
and, and I mean, I get what they're doing with the whole you know metaphors for teen problems, and they they do that often. But as I said earlier, if they stayed with like Buffy killed a person, I'd be very okay with that. That'd be dark. It would be uh, obviously not a one episode thing. That'd be a that'd be an arc, but. <laughs> But yeah. that, that could be something, that could have been a cool turn for the series. It's, I do wish that they kind of explored that a little more. Wish, I mean, spoilers, we may explore that in the future. Um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. And then when they brought him back, mm, okay. And Robot brings it down. Robot, no. No robots. I swear, swearing off robots. <laughs> Cold turkey. And... So I would say it's not the worst episode by any stretch, and John Ritter actually did excellent in this episode. He did really good. And so I'd say 2.5. It was like a 3.5, but then the robot thing just I couldn't I can't deal with that. That's <laughs> not for me. <laughs> now this episode's actually a special place in uh, both John Ritter's heart. It was he said it helped him understand his stepdaughter. And uh, Alison Hannigan said it was one of her favorite episodes ever because of John Ritter. So he was definitely the highlight of the episode. But what a waste of a special guest star's talents uh, in such a weird episode. It's uh, memorable. It's very memorable. No one's denying that. But uh, not as bad as I recall. I wasn't a fan. Uh, it's our halfway point of the season. And it you know it's not a high point. <laughs> but yeah. I'm going to have to give it two out of five stakes. For me, ooh, ooh, was gonna go lower, but the more I think about it, the more it wasn't that bad. Yeah, well, and I think the other problem with this is we've just come off of what's my line, part one and two, right? And then yeah. you know, not to spoil anything, we go into a bigger arc right after this. Yeah, so it's between two, you know, pretty big moments. There had to be a, a valley in there, so right. So, uh, Al, thank you very much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. And you're from Your Friend L Blog. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, where we can find you and about what you do. Uh, you can find me at uh, yourfriendl.com. Um, and I write about everything from TV to film to travel to fashion, DIY, and stuff like that. And I will, um, I'm actually part of the uh, Geek Girl Brunch right now. So if you have any female listeners, make sure to sign up for that. And, uh, but yeah, I, I just, you know, write about everything from Buffy all the way to Doctor Who and Sherlock and, you know, all kind of weird and verse stuff. So make sure to check it, check it out. Definitely. And if you don't have time to listen to podcasts like I never do, it is great to just peruse. Uh, I read a, an interesting article about Cinderella on her blog today. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. It was a good time. Thanks. Weedenverse podcast rating, 2.25 out of 5 stakes. If you like what you hear, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at at Whedoncast. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, or review, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. The Whedonverse Podcast is brought to you by the HHW LOD Network. 
You can find them at hhwlod.com, on Twitter at hhwlod underscore network, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash hhwlod. The Tangent Bound Network can be found at tangentboundnetwork.com, on Twitter at tangentboundpc, and on Facebook at tangentboundnetwork. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 2, Episode 12, Bad Eggs, written by Marty Noxon. Directed by David Greenwald. Original air date, January 12th, 1998. Alright, take two. Back to the Whedonverse podcast. We already recorded part of this before realizing that it wasn't recording. So we're back. We're here with a special guest, My Bloody Brody from Twitter. Longtime listener, first-time caller. Uh, He's a poet, he's a writer, he's an all-around jolly dude. How are you, Brody? (laughs) Swell. He's swell. Yeah, this is the weirdest thing because you guys are making the same goddamn jokes. <laughs> yeah. No, the, I'm. this is scripted, yo. I got the my words on my palm and they're all sweaty, so things are going to get a little slurred. But uh, this episode in France called Surprise Eggs in Finland called In the Grip of Evil. Kind of cool. Starts off with a chosen one speech. And we're at a grocery store to some Mozart playing. Buffy's not happy with Joycey because she won't let her get the Streetwalker outfit that she wants. And these past two episodes have been really Joyce heavy, which is yeah. noticeable because Joyce hasn't been around for a while. Yeah, the whole like this—it's like they took a break from from Buffy and Angel and Xander and Cordelia. Well, they didn't really take a break from those, but they're just focusing more on parenting for whatever reasons. The, these last two episodes have been all about the joys of parenthood. Yeah. So uh, Joy sends Buffy to do some chores. She really bounces back from Ted quickly. Can I point something out? Sure, go this, for it. This is where there's an extra with a moo in the background that I have considered she's just wearing a tablecloth <laughs> as a moo And she comes back in a good, what was it? 30 minutes, or 30 seconds, ooh, not 30 minutes, 30 seconds. She's just popping back in the background. Yeah, she's going up an escalator. But how did she get down there in the first place? I don't know, that's the weird, that's the main yeah, mystery. they use a lot of, they reuse a lot of actors, they tend to. But uh, Buffy starts, she's going down the escalator, and now this time you, I'm so glad you got to miss this, I messed up royally, and Brody actually caught it. So Buffy's going down the escalator. Save the day. She sees a girl with a, with a cowboy, Billy Ray Cyrus. She looks in the mirror and there's just the girl, no cowboy. Now I thought there was some sort of Buffy seeing double there. I didn't really know what was happening. Yeah, until... you, you confused the hell out of me with what you were saying. I thought it was double too, and then I rewound it. But uh, everyday woman can wait because Buffy's on a mission. And for some reason, she runs to the empty arcade. She assumes that's where they'll be, and she's right. Uh, that girl's there again with uh, Blake Shelton. He's JBL. a different country singer every time, by the way. He's JBL. <laughs> He's John Bradshaw Layfield. Nobody gets that reference. I, He's one yeah. of the acolytes. No, stop. <laughs> JBL and Farouk. <laughs> but uh, the guy's behind her, and he's a vamp suddenly. Southern accent. The girl's spooked off. And he calls Buffy Sugar Lips and tells her to giddy up, which is so painfully stereotypical. Yeah. Jumpin' Jeff Vampire. How about that one? I think if his name was Billy, she would have said it's time to break your achy, breaky heart. And she pulls out a stake, but that never happened, and I was very upset. <laughs> but uh, I don't like the idea of a southern vamp. It's, it's, it's not like... only is it possible that it exists, it's probable that they exist, but I don't like it. 
Spike was a southern vamp. He's supposed to be. But uh, he introduces himself as Lyle Gorch as they're breaking a lot of pinball machines. Fun fact, Clairvoyant's middle name is Lyle. The Lyle Clairvoyant. That's partially true. <laughs> and uh, he escapes, so Buffy goes to meet with her mom in the food court. She forgot to pick up the dress. That <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Joyce is like, you were distracted by a boy, and she's technically... And it's like, frustrated. Like, don't you think of anything besides boys in clothes? Saving the world from vampires? And Joyce just doesn't get it. She doesn't understand her daughter. I, I feel like she mentioned the fact that she was a vampire slayer on Witch. She's mentioned things a couple times. I think Joyce, Joyce would f- figure it out when Joyce got bit by Darla and then Buffy got attacked by Spike. And, like, no, just get your head out of your ass, Joyce. She's just really naive. <laughs> yeah, she really is. But, uh... She's just thinking about herself, about this moo-moo. No, <laughs> think about your daughter. She needs her streetwalker outfit. <laughs> streetwalker moo-moo. Yeah, streetwalker moo-moo. Crop top it. <laughs> but, uh, theme song. <laughs> so then we cut to the theme song. Afterwards, Cordy and Xander are macking out, missing class. And they have some barbs in here. Xander says, this would work a lot better if you didn't talk. And Cordelia, it would work a lot better if the lights were off. I love those two together, and they're perfect for each other. No, they're not. They are, in the most awful ways. They're both assholes to each other, and therefore, they're the greatest for each other. They belong. Um, yeah, they're nope. super not... There's no chemistry. As we mentioned last time, they're just a comic relief relationship. I ship it so hard. But, uh... They're going to escape, they're start to fight, they're going to leave, and then they just start making out again. And then a great transition here, scene transition, as the creepy teacher, Mr. Whitmore, spells out S-E-X <laughs> and teaches them some sex ed. And Willow looks very uncomfortable at first. Yeah. Xander answers the rhetorical question of who has sexual urges. <laughs> Me. <laughs> oh, oh, here. And this episode, starting off with the negative consequences of sex, it's very heavy-handed in what they're trying to do. Already. It reminds me of just like, you have sex, you will get pregnant and die. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Mean Girls, the, the gym teacher. No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Xander and Cordelia start fighting in class. Uh, barbs at each other, thinly veiled. Willow seems a bit onto it. Willow says, you know, the obvious one, well, pregnancy is, you know, a consequence of sex. And they all have to take care of eggs. And Willow seems too excited about it. Yeah, yeah Willow's just, like, perked up. <laughs> did either of you have this assignment? I know there's been eggs, and there's, like, take care of a doll, and there's take care of a special, like, robo-doll and stuff. Did you ever have to take care of anything? No. I kind of did. I had... Actually, our assignment was a lot cooler. We got to create our own baby. That sounds really what? wrong. Um, <laughs> we, no, this is a high school assignment? Yeah, they just locked us in a room. and <laughs> no, so, uh, What happened was they gave us a quarter, and we had to take t- two genetics, and we had to flip to see if we got the recessive or the dominant one, and then it created our baby, and then we had to create a life with it. That's so messed up. We were the only class... Um, out of our grade, we were the only class that weren't given this. I believe Mr. Universe was in the same class as I was. I was. We were the only class that weren't given this project for whatever reason. But Xander and Coastal Grown asked her to be his partner. With the great line, I know we haven't met, but isn't that Xander Jr. you're holding? <laughs> Which she... is an 
awesome pickup line. <laughs> no. You try you tried on everyone. You're like, hey, I know you haven't we haven't met, but is that Xander Jr. you're holding? But it worked. And they for they him. don't know what you're talking about. It worked for him. Did they not end up together? I know, I think she we just walked see, away. We don't see if they oh, I just bit. kind of assume Cordelia ends up with some random blonde dude. But uh, did Buffy later at the library, did Mr. Whitmore notice I was tardy? And like, no, no, you were absent. Tardy people show up. <laughs> and uh, Willow gives Buffy an egg in her grade line. As far as punishments go, this is pretty abstract. Yeah. <laughs> just the idea of just an egg. I don't know, eggs make me laugh more than John Ritter do. John Ritter do. <laughs> but, uh, and so, I don't know. Something about this episode amuses me. It also tickles me. I was fun fact. Uh, Mr. Universe knows this is that I was trying pretty much since the inception of this podcast to find guests for the episodes Ted and Bad Eggs. Yeah, nobody <laughs> would take them on. That's true. This, these were like unfilled slots until very recently. Bad and... Eggs is my favorite episode because it's excellent. Eggs. <laughs> Get out! No, <laughs> I'm going to sit right here. Put <laughs> up. Xander says they have to teach their eggs Christian values. Willow says for the first time, though probably implied, maybe if you're perceptive, that she's Jewish. Her name's Rosenberg. And don't. Sh- but that's not straight <laughs> up said. It's not Willow, I'm Jewish. No, it's Willow Rosenberg. Yeah, and she says, well, she's Jewish. And then Xander's like, oh, you can teach her the dreidel song. Buffy's not pumped about the assignment, though. And now Giles, like, he squishes the egg to teach Buffy about the Gorge Van Brothers, the textbook. Or at least I thought he did, but it doesn't seem to be the egg's damaged at all. Yeah. Did well, I miss something he, there? Or was I Giles is gentle. I, no, he almost squishes it. She grabs it. Okay. Because they all gasp, and she grabs it before the book goes down. So lucky, because Giles is a bumbling rhino what in a teacup. Jerk. But uh, they say to ask Angel about it. So later, they're just making out. Which is, there's a lot of making out in this episode, a heavy-handed episode about, you know, unsafe sex, and everyone's making out all episodes. Doesn't Giles come out and like, hey, they're Lyle and Tector Gorch? Yeah. Like, they're, yeah. He, he teaches about the Gorches. I don't know. He like mentions that. that they, like, slaughtered an entire Mexican village, and it's like, oh, wow. And it's like, oh, that was before they were vampires. Yeah, they were old Wild West outlaws. Yeah, so it's pretty heavy-handed, though, with this making out. And Brody, how do you feel about Bangel? Are you a Bangel shipper? No. No? I don't like... I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm in a minority here, but I do not like Angel and Buffy together. Um, I I do, but it's, it's doomed, and yeah. it's a bad relationship as a whole. Buffy belongs with me. <laughs> but uh, they stopped to hunt... Buffy and Angel, they stop making out to hunt for about two seconds before making out again. Meanwhile, the Gorch brothers are watching and bickering like a couple of kissing cousins. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> uh, but Lyle's got him a plan. Show him we ask Uncle Jesse first. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Buffy goes through her egg checklist and pats Egbert to bed. And the now, subtitles what? actually in this part said Egg Bird. I noticed that and I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. On like, Netflix, the subtitles don't... She says, goodnight, Egbert. And the subtitles say, egg bird. Two words. They took that... <laughs> Did you oh, not? Wow. <laughs> I, I watched it on a DVD without subtitles. <laughs> so. But at night, 
the egg starts to hatch, a creepy antenna like E.T.'s finger, it slithers out like a wormy hand. I hate that. And it reminded me of uh, the Cordyceps militaris fungus, like the the fungus famous for you know releasing spores and infecting ants and making them zombies. And that, because it actually, like, it, that's what it looks a lot like. It That grows out of the ant's head. And then it releases spores, and then, yeah. Creepy. It's so slimy and gross. I've honestly never been so disturbed in that show until <laughs> I saw this thing slither on out. It's like a wormy little hand. It wriggles up Buffy's face. It's obviously practical effects, but how do you think they did it? I don't know. I was thinking about that. It looks Pipe like, cleaner? It looks almost like they did it in reverse. It almost that does. would, yeah. But uh, meanwhile, the Gorches are complaining about how they have to eat rats. Blake Shelton's pretty upset that Tector's unappreciative. And Lyle says that he's going to beat Tector like he's a red-headed stepchild. Which, Jesus, that's <laughs> offensive. So they have a redneck slapdown, a.k.a. a wedding. Oh, no. <laughs> this is their own little fight club right in the sewer. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. Buffy wakes up and her eggs just chill. It's normal. It somehow reconstructed itself. They also say yippee which is <laughs> a reference to a movie. Yeah. But uh, they go to the kitchen... Or Buffy goes to the kitchen. She steals Joyce's coffee. She's a little touchy this morning. A little bit snappy on her mom. She's kind of she's the opposite of Macho Man Buffy. Because <laughs> she didn't sleep well. And Joyce jokes, "What's the matter? Your egg keep you up all night?" Which ah, dramatic irony. And she's like, "Hey, if you think it's hard now, wait till it starts dating." <laughs> In the library, <laughs> the kids are just kind of hovering, gravitating because health class got canceled. The girls say they can't help Giles put away books. They're too exhausted. Got, Xander's gung-ho. Giles even notices that the ladies are a bit sluggish. Yeah, they're just kind of... They're just so lethargic, just lying on the step. You know, the way you just... Those days are, I don't want to do a goddamn thing today. <laughs> and Xander says it's the burden of parenthood. <laughs> and he's just tossing his egg around. They're like, you shouldn't do that. And he's like, see? See? You're going crazy over these eggs. I hard-boiled it. <laughs> Which is raw. No, it's literally the opposite of raw. I was hoping you'd go there. <laughs> and you boiled your young, you gotta be cruel to be kind. <laughs> I have a question. Is there any episode where you haven't said the word raw? Maybe the first few. <laughs> I'd say the first, like, six. <laughs> and then you just start spewing out raws here and there. It's so like easy first to six, I mean, like, the first six Buffy episodes, not the first six of ours. I'm evolving as a person, okay? My You're slate. devolving. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty raw. <laughs> raw and, uh, and wigged have started worming their way into your actual speech. But uh, Giles is putting books away. There's eggs hiding everywhere. Yeah, it's the dumbest thing. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say. Just let that sink in. But John says that... He's, you, you, he's putting a book on a library shelf, and behind it is an egg watching him. <laughs> Wait, can I rewind for a second? I, there's something about... When they when you know when Giles puts the book down and almost squashes Buffy's egg, he's like, "Are those eggs?" Yeah. And, he said, and out of everything, <laughs> why does everyone have eggs? Yeah, everything odd that happens in Sunnydale, this one he just lets go. <laughs> he's like, "No way, nobody answers him," so he just lets it go. <laughs> he's like, "Wait, I don't do." It. <laughs> I would be so confused too. Just why does everybody have eggs? <laughs> and when you're like right on top of the hellmouth, 
I wouldn't let it go. <laughs> I'd be like, someone tell me right now what's with these eggs. But uh, that means it's such a weird demon or curse. It's like attack everyone of the chickens. carries around eggs, and there's nothing malicious about it, <laughs> and they don't even draw attention to it. <laughs> what a weird Sunnydale curse. But uh, Giles says it's Xander's boiling's rather Machiavellian. Bellion, Machiavellian, which Xander resents or maybe thanks. <laughs> he was complimenting him as being an evil genius. <laughs> but uh, Cordy comes to the library also because Mr. Whitmore didn't show. And <laughs> he's presumed dead. By who? By me. <laughs> a teacher doesn't show up for school and only in Sunnydale can you say beyond a reasonable doubt that they're probably dead. <laughs> but uh, Cordelia says we gotta go check the closet. Bonnie might be in a closet. And though Xander's like all for it and like, yeah, closet. Like it's probably a teacher's pet reference when she found a teacher's body in a closet. So actually, well, end the first episode. They found the body in a locker and... Yeah. Well, obviously they just want to make out in closets. Body like... <laughs> they're known for liking small, damp spaces. <laughs> well, so they tend to go towards closets, lockers... Post uh, decapitation or blood draining. Well, that's their habitat because, like, <laughs> when they're usually dead, they're in a coffin. But when they yeah. can't find the coffin, <laughs> our best thing to do is scramble out right into something small and tiny that resembles a coffin. It's nature. We figured it out. <laughs> yeah. But Willow notices that it's a bit weird how Xander and Cordy are acting. She doesn't have the energy to care. Yeah, and Bobby says she'll hunt tonight. She's too bored, too too lethargic now. And, of course, so they cut to the graveyard, Buffy hunting by making out with Angel again. Got the energy to do that. <laughs> and she says that she's she's planning on having kids sometime, not anytime soon. And Angel reveals that he can't ever, which is kind of sad. And also, like, you should have assumed that, Buffy. And she's like, I guess there's a lot of things vamps can't do. They can't work for the telephone company or volunteer for the Red Cross. <laughs> Why can't they work for the telephone company? Daytime. But... So you can still you can very much work for the telephone company. <laughs> but Angel asks her all these hard questions, like, "Do you really care what happens a year from now? Five? Like, do you think about the future at all?" And she's like, "All I see is you. Uh, all I want is you." And they make I, go, this is why I don't like it. <laughs> I ship them, and that's just a groaner. Just like, <laughs> yeah, it's very, I look in the future, and all I see is you. They're very yeah. High yeah, here you are, crazy kids. Whenever they talk, that's all I hear. They're very high school relationship. But what kind of Slayer makes up with a vampire on a grave? That seems like poor form. And it was like, it pans across the grave where it has like a, like, a message. It's like a, what is it, here lie, I don't know. Oh, yeah, no, it's like, no, I know exactly, I don't remember. In Loving Memory. Yeah. In Loving Memory, it has a sad score, and I feel like that was supposed to mean something, and it just didn't. Same here, I thought it was going to be foreshadowing. (laughs) That would be the perfect foreshadowing pan. (laughs) But it just, it didn't seem to really go anywhere. (laughs) But uh, at school, security guards are wandering, because every school hires night security guards. Sunnydale. It's an L.A. thing, maybe. (laughs) Or, uh... You know, California thing. But uh, there's probably some wild eggs about. So he checks the never-safe basement. And he moves a package, finds a Shawshank Redemption hole under a poster of Rita Hayworth. And as he looks in, crazy Mr. Whitmore not, walks into nowhere and just knocks him in the hole. The hole's so paper mache. <laughs> it, it, it looks just like they just reused the Master's Cave. It looks like they crumpled up some large brown construction paper and glued it to a wall. <laughs> 
But lady, later, Buffy comes home to her wiggling little egg, and it explodes open, and a head crab scampers out. Yeah, like a straight-up facehugger. Like... I called it a succubus. <laughs> but no, she... a homunculus. Not a succubus. Wow. <laughs> but she, Stupid. <laughs> she immediately grabs an iron in her room, because why not? And she goes to squash it, but it's hiding. And there's really, like, tense music as she can't find it. It's not a tense scene. And suddenly it drops out of her shoulder and then scampers away. And is this supposed to represent the difficulties of having kids? <laughs> I think it's a, it's a metaphor. I, this whole episode I, is a metaphor for having kids. I think this particular part is just a reference to Alien. I don't think this part is I, yeah. talking about kids jumping off the ceiling onto your shoulder. I, I think you're overthinking this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's on the wall behind her, so she stabs the hell out of it, which is another death count of one. Or are we even going to count it? What do you think? That's another. Yeah, that's definitely another. But where'd the iron go? But, uh, yeah, she didn't even get to use the iron. She just used safety scissors. And she didn't even drop it, did she? No. It just kind of fell on her, and all of a sudden, she didn't have an iron. She I, had ironed her shoulder. I call her... I, I want to call Jasmine to re-scene this scene. Reshoot it. This. this was Marty Noxon, I believe. David Greenwald directed, so blame well, him. I, I just want this reshot. <laughs> David Greenwald has so hit and miss with the stuff he's done for the show. He really is. Because he did Angel. But then, I want there's another one that he did shortly after that that was just garbage. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, yeah, Buffy immediately calls Willow, tells her to smash the egg. Her egg went postal. And it hatched into a creepy crawly and attacked her. But Willow's like, my egg's fine. Maybe it's a trap by the Gorches. Which makes no <laughs> sense. Yeah, what they've established that the gorges are dumb as a bag of rocks. <laughs> and she just tells her to go back to bed with her little like smiley face Walmart pajamas. <laughs> and uh Willow hangs up and it pans over her egg is already hatched and she's got a blank look on her face. They got her. She's been eggified. Shouldn't Buffy have known something was up? Willow he turned did... her into an egg. <laughs> but Willow Willow did say that she put the egg in the fridge. That doesn't sound like a Willow thing when it comes to a school project. It comes to childcare. Yeah. But, uh, I put my baby in the fridge. <laughs> I feel like Rick Fox would really like this episode. Yeah. If you get that reference, I'm so proud of you. Uh, Joyce comes in, and she's like, who are you talking to, Buffy? Why are you dressed? And Buffy says the truth. She was calling Willow to make sure everything's okay, but Joyce doesn't buy it. Because Buffy's been so irresponsible all episode, she grounds her. Also because she's fully clothed. Yeah. So no socializing, no bronze, no nothing. School ends at 2.30. Buffy goes to the library and studies till Joyce picks her up at 5.30. She grounds her because she thinks she's going out, but she wasn't actually. She just didn't get undressed yet. She was coming in. And another, she did yeah, go but, out. Yeah, but Joyce doesn't know that. All she knows is that Buffy didn't get undressed from the last time she went out. Like, but she's dressed up be, like nice. But can't you just be dressed up nice casually in your own room? I do it all the time. <laughs> I put on a nice dress, lipstick. But, but like, once again, she tells her mom the truth and gets grounded for it. Because she's like, who's on the who's on the phone? And she's like, talking to Willow. She's not feeling so good. <laughs> or something like that. that. And, yeah. Yeah, I felt this was a little weird and harsh on Joyce's behalf. But Joyce, like, I think just over the course of the episode, she's just getting frustrated. She killed Ted. <laughs> but uh, Buffy <laughs> walks to school. She co- she jokingly compliments Cordy's cheesy, like, teddy bear backpack. 
And Courtney suddenly goes on like a soliloquy about her backpack. Yeah, that was so weird. Like how she brought it in because, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. It, it, it feels like she felt they were going to not like it. So she was coming up with all the excuses she was why like, she wore it. I popularized the style and other people started doing it. But then I started thinking, oh, why should I be ashamed? It's my style. And like, <laughs> but the, She says that her egg's in the bear. And Buffy's like, isn't it acting odd? And she's like, it isn't acting anything, Buffy. It's an egg. It doesn't emote. <laughs> <laughs> And meanwhile, Xander says his chocolate bar is cardboardy. He litters it, and he decides he's going to eat Xander Jr. Which I mean, no, don't. We know what's going to happen. When Xander was just eating chocolate bars, he found on the ground. That's can, what it reminded me of. I can get behind that. <laughs> but uh, I like Xander, and I like his taste in food. But meanwhile, Willow <laughs> says to bring her the corpse of the little bug thing. She'll analyze it. Pan down. She's being possessed by an eggling. She's got that tramp stamp. <laughs> Pans down, and you see a tramp stamp of that homunculus. <laughs> and you got a, a picture of a face hugger <laughs> tattooed on her lower back. That's how they filmed it. <laughs> but uh, Xander goes to eat his egg, but gross as shit, it's an eggling. And but you know, he hard boiled it when he rolled it to peel. Like he did the way of peeling it, where you roll it on a hard surface to crack it all up and then you pick it off that way. So first off, why is the top half peeled off so perfectly? And second off, who peels an egg without looking at it? You're going to take a bite until you notice it looked like a brain. Yeah, that... that did, yeah, that's kind of morbid, though, that he hard-boiled that thing. Right? Can you imagine <laughs> being that thing in that I guess egg? that's an other death count of two. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, I guess that's a two. What do you think it would taste like? Probably mm. not. We'll never know. Good. But do you think that that face hugger would taste better than hard boiled face hugger? Like, which do you think? Like, raw? Hard boiled. Hard boiled for sure. To me, or it looked think, the like, same. Barbecued, like he looks like an insect. So you know, like barbecued or crisp. Yeah, that'd be good. Do you think it would be like nutritious? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Oh, that would have so much protein. Wow. Why are we talking about this? Listen, no. <laughs> it's got purple blood. Obviously, it's got protein. Um. So Xander freaks out at the library. He's like, "Can I just say?" Ugh? And Buffy's like, "I see, I see your Ugh, and I raise you." Ugh. <laughs> and Willow says that Giles told them to just get started on the dissection, which uh, I'm not trusting it. Willow looks cute when she's evil. <laughs> just saying. But Xander won't dissect it. Buffy doesn't want to either. And meanwhile, Cordelia's backpack's coming to life. And I have a feeling the only reason that this backpack was written in is so we could see the little egg legs, E.T. fingers, poke out the bear's button eyes. It's so dumb. It's You see the two, like, fungus things, and then just, it's eyes. Only the eyes. I feel like that bear was written in because Marty Noxon had an idea, and she needed to work it into the episode. But, uh... It's dumb. Cordy suddenly just smacks Buffy in the face after Willow's talking crazy about the bazaar and bringing everything to the leader. And her and they knock out Buffy and Xander just like that. So they drag him to the closet, which may explain her soliloquy about the backpack because she didn't know how, or the thing didn't know how real Cordy was supposed to act. But I don't think, I think it, that was real Cordy at the time. I don't think it was because I don't think she would just put her egg in a backpack. And I don't think she would wear that backpack. But then, I, I thought, I was under the impression that it was real Cordy until the thing broke out right. of the backpack. But maybe it was just so sudden. Yeah. But I feel it broke out, latched onto her, boom. 
But uh, one by one, students are grabbing weapons from a creepy random shed. Uh, graffiti on the roof says Chris Pollock. So congrats, man. You made it big. <laughs> Do you, uh, fun fact about Bazaar is uh, the, the word Bazaar, it's, it's a medical term. And uh, it's just a mass of something found in the gastrointestinal system. So and that could mean like just like it's you get it. It's just it's the weirdest thing. It's like a ball that forms in your intestines from just eating a shit ton of stuff you can't digest, like hair and plastic bags. <laughs> Story of my life. And also, there is something on Harry Potter called a bazaar. So does that is that what happens when cats eat their own hair and spit up hair? They're spitting up bazaars? Like, yeah. A bunch of bazaars. I guess. But I don't think the Buffy definition of bazaar. <laughs> I just picture a dragon ball. But uh, the group goes into the basement, which suddenly has an eerie red glow, and they walk past Whitmore into the hole to uh, get to work with their tools. Meanwhile, Joyce goes to the library at 5.30, but no Buffy. And Giles peeps out around the corner. He doesn't cover for Buffy at all. He says that, that Buffy didn't show. And so this is the last, last straw for Joyce. Buffy's been screwing her all day. And Giles admits he doesn't have kids, so he doesn't know what it's like. But they agree that kids can be such a burden when they're irresponsible. I find that offensive. I'm still irresponsible. <laughs> and Joyce, I like how she, she comments on Giles' demonology books. And she's like, it's a hobby of mine. It has nothing to do with Buffy. <laughs> yeah. And they hear a noise in the hall. And as Joyce turns to look at it, Giles opens up a drawer, pulls out an eggling that was conveniently chilling in his drawer. We know they're called bazaars now. Well, he conveniently kept it in a drawer like a weirdo and just puts it on her back. <laughs> what? How? I mean, like, if he's being possessed by a bazaar, how does the bazaar know? Don't you think you'd feel weird about having another one keeping it in a drawer? One thing I'm wondering is, when you're possessed by a bazaar, how much of you is still there? Because he obviously, like... Yeah, he covered for Buffy. And also he hid the fact about the demonology. But he's still possessed. Yeah, I don't know. It seems to vary per person. Yeah. Seems like they retained some things. It seems to vary based on how much they wanted it to be a shock that they were possessed by the bazaar. Unless, like, the bazaar can, like, take over their brain so it's got some memory and... I don't know. Yeah, everyone's getting infected. Suddenly, Giles and Jenny and... Or Giles and Joyce. Not Jenny, she's not even in this. Yeah. Suddenly, Giles and Joyce and a bunch of others are on their way to the basement. And Buffy wakes up Xander... In the closet. <laughs> His great line. Last time Cordy dragged me in here, it was a lot nicer. <laughs> but then he Which quickly like, brushes off He's his like, oh, it's a head crazy, drama. Crazy talk. Head drama. <laughs> and he says that, Bobby says he's going to have a goose egg or like a huge bump. He says he's going to have a peninsula of a bump. <laughs> and it's like, why would they even drag us in here? And they see two eggs in the ground. And oh. Do the obvious, <laughs> which so Buffy, Buffy immediately does. She smashes them, which would be another death count of four, I guess. And they escape, but they don't really know what to do. They have to find this bazaar that Willow mentioned. So they're looking through Giles' books in the library, because he must have found something. And and then they find kind of a little bit about it. And Crunch is Xander steps on eggshells, so they must have had like a huge egg budget for this episode. <laughs> Just buying eggs, and then someone probably... shows up with brown eggs, and they're like, "God damn it!" <laughs> he, 
<laughs> screwed everything up. And that's the story of how Jed Whedon got fired until future projects. <laughs> Not true. He wasn't even on this project. But yeah, no, maybe they just they bought a surplus of eggs and wrote an episode around it because they just man, I got a ton of these eggs. They're gonna expire soon. We can't eat them all. <laughs> or someone came to set, be like, man, I just got a. A deal and all this, like yeah, all these it. chickens. <laughs> Maybe Marty and David bought a bunch of eggs, and then those eggs hatched, and Bazaars possessed them and, <laughs> and they made just them write an episode. Of... <laughs> wait, wait, what came first, the Bazaar, the chicken, or the egg? <laughs> so if the Bazaar came first, Bazaars are like prehistoric egg. parasites. Yeah, no, Bazaars came first. Okay, I don't know if the bazaar or the egg came first, but it definitely came before the chicken. So then, a chicken's just a mutated bazaar. <laughs> <laughs> In the basement, brain suckers are leading the people to do their work, very half-assedly, but you know it's better than nothing. It and, reminds me a lot of the Cordyceps militaris fungus, honestly, where it like it infects them, and then they just you know they go to home base and they do what they got to do, just like mindless zombies. Which is yeah. an actual fungus that's terrifying. And they go around clicking. Yeah, so these doozers are getting to work, hoping the fraggles don't come ruin their fun. Fraggles. And under the ground, there's a huge parasite they're uncovering. And the they Mama keep all the eggs from it. Mama Bazaar. They find out... So Buffy and Xander find out that people are taking orders from the mama. And uh, suddenly Jonathan in the hallway is just tweaking out because one's on him. Wait, that was Jonathan? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then so, remember him? Yeah, no, I I remember him. I just it's been so long. <laughs> and then suddenly he just stands up. He's like, "I slipped. I'm fine." And he just walks away. So they follow him. But good screaming acting from Danny Strong. Yeah. Oh my god, he just flipped his. Sh- he just. Yeah. I was thinking about it. So if you know, we have the bazaars and then the mother bazaar, and Where's so the father bazaar. No, I was thinking, like, <laughs> if their Pokemon name is Bazaar... Oh my god. Then what... This thing is their, clearly their evolved form. What would that name become? Bazite. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing they can do... So why... So really, when, like, Willow and Giles and them are all talking, they should just be saying the word Bazaar if they're Pokemon. Like, Bazaar. <laughs> Bazaar. Bazaar. They don't talk. <laughs> but, uh, they follow him to the... Maybe they're just shy. <laughs> so Buffy and Xander follow Jonathan to Fraggle Rock. And like, do we really want to go in there? We really don't. So they do. And, and Xander, Xander trips. Yeah, great line. He tells Buffy to be careful and then just trips. And uh, he asks, what are they even digging for? And they see the mama's closed eye. So Buffy's going to need a weapon. A big one. And... So Xander's faking being a brainless goon, joining them. Not hard. Am I right, ladies? Heyo. <laughs> and uh, Buffy finds a pole, but at the wrong time, worst possible time, the Gorches show up. Kate, you know what I feel about the Gorches? They had no reason to be in this episode. I feel like they wrote an episode about southern vampires, and they wrote an episode about this dumb egg thing, and like, oh, but we only have a slate of 22 episodes. And so they we only have half an episode of each. Let's combine. They attempted to combine them, and they did a good. Both would be so much stronger on their own. Yeah. So Buffy tackles a Gorch into the tunnel. Lyle, 
uh, after well, she hurts Tector, and Lyle's like, "That's my brother, my, that's my kissing brother." So <laughs> she tackles. We're making fun of rednecks hard. If you're a redneck and you're listening, I'm sorry, and you probably don't identify as a redneck. <laughs> sorry if we offend anybody with this episode. It's okay, I'm not offended. But uh, Bobby tackles Lyle Gorch into the tunnel, and Willow just looks up and just calmly kill them. Yeah, so, she just kind of like glances up. Oh, and I kill them. Like, so by the way while you're at it can you just kill them so everyone's coming after them and Buffy and Lyle are like fighting side by side while they're fighting each other it's a mess I like that actually for some reason because like I said the what's their name Gorges yeah they don't they seem to think that only vampires exist and they have no they don't seem to have a clue that any other creature out there exists so they're confused they're like what the hell is this and i like i kind of like the fact that buffy's fighting with somebody that's her rival and yet still fighting them if that makes any yeah, sense makes sense to me i really liked it <laughs> Just like cordelia Punches Xander in his bump. <laughs> and so he gets mad and just cold cocks her, knocks her right out. Well, first oh. he's like, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. That's my bump! Boom! <laughs> oh. It's like he's offended. Human death count one. <laughs> but, uh, so he lights her up. Downstairs, the other Gorch, Texter, shows up. Texter! Oh, terrible name, by the way. <laughs> he sees the Mama Bazaar. He's like, it's big eye, and he's like, well, look at here. And it opens its eye and strangles him. He's like, oh, it's so cute. (laughs) And it uh, strangles him, pulls him under, and eats him, which is a vamp death count of one. Poor uh, Hodunk. Which, like, (laughs) what do you think that was? Like, special effects? Like, uh, it was obviously practical effects. Do you think they just built this big underground thing and they actually had to for this not-great episode? Where did they... where, Where did they... How'd she eat him? Right. There's just her know. eye and there's cement around it. Where's her mouth? Right. That's what I wondered too. Maybe she like absorbs them. Maybe the eye flips inside out and turns into a mouth and flips back around. That's a very fantastical theory. Thank you. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think it's wrong. <laughs> you don't know. At this point, anything can be right. But uh, Lyle blames Buffy for his brother's death somehow. <laughs> and she's even like, how? And he goes to throw her in. It grabs her by the foot, pulls her in. Human death count one. Just kidding. No, it, uh, she it felt fight... very Jumanji. <laughs> yeah, and she fights it from the inside out. You can just hear some hacking and slashing. Everyone stops. And then other death count of one as she kills it. Well, are we going to count? There's so many of these these things. So many people working here. We don't know exactly how many. And they all fall off and die once Buffy kills the Mama Bazaar. So are we going to count the other ones? I think it's too many. I think it's an unknown die. number. Yeah, like a billion. <laughs> it's an unknown number, so I think we're just going to count the one mama bazaar. We know that one's dead. The unless, other ones are just spawned. Unless you want to take a moment and count every character <laughs> in this room. <laughs> but, uh, so everyone's free from the eggs. And Buffy climbs out covered in goo. And Lyle just kind of tips his hat and runs. Yeah, surprisingly, not really covered in goo. No, there's a bit of black blood. But I like how Lyle just runs. Like this badass southern, like, Wild West vampire. Well, Tector is dead. What am I supposed to do without Tector? That broke his achy, breaky heart. <laughs> and everyone leaves. Meanwhile, Giles telling them it's just a gas leak. <laughs> and 
Cordelia Giles actually has no idea what the hell happened, but yeah, Dan just says, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you tomorrow. But I'd be so confused if I was them and be like, okay, gas leak, why am I in the basement? <laughs> it says caution, do not be in it. Plus there's a giant hole that was not there before. <laughs> but uh, Buffy's mom's a bit confused. She's worried about Buffy for about a second, and then she's just mad. Like I, she's not interested in the fact that there was a gas leak. She's pissed at Buffy that Buffy didn't make it. Which she confines Buffy to her room, which is so frustrating. Like, like Buffy even ooh. like acknowledges it. It's like, well, what about that gas leak? And she just ignores it. <laughs> so later, Buffy is is uh, compromising. She's not leaving her room. She's making it with Angel through the window. <laughs> she earned it. And That's she's like, a loophole. I'm not breaking any rules. And then Joyce is like, are you going to bed? And then, in a minute, and then end. <laughs> so did you know that the Gorsh brothers are actually based on characters from uh, the the Western The Wild Bunch? I didn't. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, that's pretty much where anything interesting about them stops. <laughs> so, Bad Eggs. Why do you think the episode was called that? That's not a good title. Like, I guess, like, saying, like, oh, they're a, bun- they're a bad bunch. They're a couple of bad eggs. And maybe it was like, maybe the Gorches were thrown in to make you think that's what the episode's about, a couple of bad eggs? They were referring to Cordelia with her anecdote about having sex in a car and calling her a bad egg. <laughs> or what about, what What if, like, <laughs> what was the director or writer of this again? Marty Noxon wrote it, and David Greenwald directed it, and they're both, they've done so good in the past. What if Marty just, like, decided to make scrambled eggs, and she's like, man, these are a bunch of bad eggs, bad eggs. <laughs> and then they got an episode. <laughs> This is a problem. Well, it's likely with how bad the episode went. Let's go around the table. Let's talk about our ratings on this. Brody, Bloody Brody, you're our big guest for this one. Black Blood for this week. What did you think of this episode? Out of five stakes, what would you rate it and why? Before I rate it, can I ask how many slivers make a steak? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd rate this. Let's see. I would rate it a one, but... I really did like when the Gorch, the one Gorch, was fighting with Buffy, when Billy Ray Cyrus was fighting with Buffy, and also fighting Buffy. So I'm going to raise that to a two. I really like that. I really, really... <laughs> plus, a... there's, plus there's the woman with the moo she's my, She's my bro. So that warrants two. All right. Uh, weak reason, but let's go on to the clairvoyant. What do you think? I think it's a very strong reason. Okay. <laughs> On one hand, we have music from the Magic Flute, references to Gigapets and Machiavelli and Dreidels. On the other hand, we have the Gorches, an Ally McBeal poster, <laughs> and uh, just the, the ridiculous overall premise of the episode. <laughs> so um, it's, it, it's, a, it's hard. But I definitely feel like it was two. It was like two episodes that were jammed together and poorly. Ted and um, Bad Eggs in the same week. You're so lucky, Weedenverse podcast listeners. But I think this one is this is definitely weaker than Ted. So I would say this is a a two two out of five. Ah, yeah, score. See, clairvoyant likes the the fight with Buffy and the Moo Moo girl too. Those were not my reasons. Those were we can rewind it if you really want, but those were his reasons. Uh, uh, no, I gave you know with Ted, I actually bumped it up when I thought about it. I was at one point five. I bumped it up to a two. This one, I went the other way. I had a two, and I'm going to bump it down to one point five. 
Uh, you originally had ten lower than bad eggs. I had them tied, sort of. Uh, they're not good episodes. Really poor. John Ritter really made Ted. This one doesn't have a John Ritter. This one has a, a bunch. This one has a couple of country singers and a whole bunch of eggs. It sounds like a really poor, like, pick names out of a hat. What are we writing about episode about? Cowboys and eggs. Like, it just... <laughs> so, so, no, I didn't like this episode. I did not enjoy it. It was one of the weaker ones of season two. Thank God one of the last weak ones in season two. Uh, really frustratingly dumb. So, uh, yeah, the guy who plays Tector... Uh, James Parks. The lesser gorge. He's from California, and he's a... Uh, Why do you not... say California with a southern accent? I don't, because it's southern, <laughs> technically. But he he's not that special. Uh, but Lyle is played by Jeremy Ratchford, who's a Canadian, and he's... <laughs> he's known uh, not only for actually returning on a future episode of Buffy, but also for playing... Detective Nick Vera on Cold Case. That about wraps up this episode. So to the superstitious bloody Brody, why don't you tell us I don't know, do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, you're not you're not too special. Hey. <laughs> I would like to plug you right now. Thank you. You're welcome. Um Yeah, no, I'm not too special. I, I don't I don't got nothing. Follow him on Twitter. Yeah. What's yeah. your Twitter handle? At Bloody Brody. It's beautiful. Brody with an I-E, by the way. Yeah, everyone spells it with a Y, and I get so mad, I turn into a gorge. <laughs> and so one thing I do want to mention that we didn't mention last episode, just a fun little bit of trivia, is that John Ritter and Buffy and Sarah Michelle Yeller were both like deathly ill during their like final fight. So I think that would be fun to shoot. And by fun, I mean really not at all. She had the flu, and <laughs> I think he had food poisoning. Oh, no. Just imagine, oh. imagine shooting a fight scene oh. where you're like punching each other in the gut. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and anyway, think, that's that. And I think it's a final death count this episode. I want to say vamp death count one, other death count one. Technically. There's like a million. Yeah. There was vamp one, mother bizarre one, <laughs> two bizarre eggs. Two bizarre babies, and then all the bizarre babies. Yeah, so it's it's a it's an inconclusive number. We'll say over one, but over one. <laughs> so once again, thank you very much, Bloody Brody, for coming on. Thank you. Weedenverse podcast rating one point seventy five out of five stakes. So clairvoyant. This is episode twelve, which at this point in time we would have been done season one, but since yeah. it's a longer season, it's a bit different. So let's do a quick. Very quick comparison from what we've got so far. We're comparing uh, Prophecy Girl to Bad Eggs. Uh, yeah, but uh, as far as death count, human death count, season one, at this point we had 20. Season two, we're at 26. Already topping with the human death count. Vampires, 23 versus 21. So we don't have as much vamp deaths. But we've got three demons so far this season with where versus two last season and seven plus other versus three last season. And so far, we both rated the season higher from season one, which is a is an improvement all around. Especially in the human deaths. Join us next episode where we'll discuss Buffy the Vampire Slayer, season two, episode 13, Surprise, and episode 14, Innocence, with special guest host, One Sick Puppy, from the Dead as Hell Horror Podcast.
can't wait until next week? In the meantime, check out the hilarious Resurrection of Zombie 7 Horror Podcast at Zombie7.com. All programs, productions, characters, music, and stories discussed in this non-profit podcast belong to Joss Whedon and or their respective networks. All music, clips, and discussion used is either original, royalty-free, or released under Creative Commons designation CCBYNCSA. For more information, visit creativecommons.org. Thanks for listening.